The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Just. No my hide my key dietary requirements, the spin-offs food podcast. Feel like I've been saying that a lot because we've been up in our output and yeah, but it's nice to have you back, Sophie. It's been a while. Thank you. I missed the last one. It was quite sad. And the one before it? Did I? Oh yeah. my god. Someone told me they were listening the other day and that they missed me, which was Aww. nice. We Each month you. we get together to talk about the cultural, social and political role of food in Aotearoa. Uh, with some of the buzziest people in the scene, but this week you've just got the three of us, which I think is uh, the best combo anyway. Dream team, the OGs. Of course, I am uh, Simon Day, and I'm your host. I'm joined by the spin-off food editor, Alice Neville. Kia ora. She's just taking notes um, due to me sending the prep over 15 minutes before the podcast started. That's right. Love, love it. He says Panic. it like it's a new thing. <laughs> oh, 15 minutes is a record, That's I reckon. A record. Um, but we relish the shambles. And Sophie Gilmore, reappearing. Kia Simon. At the busiest time of the year, she's filling out Christmas cards and um, her notes at the same time. It's good to be back. And of course, this podcast and all our food coverage and Christmas itself would not be possible without the wonderful people at Freedom Farms. They believe that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been raised so this Christmas, by their stunning hams, that actually learnt that Hillary at Freedom Farms taught me why it's called champagne ham. Why is that? Looks like a champagne bottle, that, that cut. Is that all? Yeah. Love it. Isn't that interesting? And that's the ham that's been, um, they cut some of the bone out and then sort of refashion it around the bone to make that shape for you. And, that, and it's also, that's why it's quite delicious. It's easier to work with. It's a um, beautiful piece of meat. What about, speaking of Hillary from Freedom Farms, um, the ham video, I completely forgot about that. You and your mum from a few years ago. We should actually reshare that. Oh my goodness, how embarrassing. iconic. No, it's so good. But I think that the Korean gochujang is a genuine glaze option, people, if you're looking for a new... Yeah, let's uh, post that. If you you don't want to be like uh, Sophie's husband's family and... (laughs) Go full Poor traditional sorry. English um, in the middle of summer. Yeah, jazz it up. Jazz it up. 
gochujang. Je- remember uh, that? So you're like, Jersey, it's Jersey, mum. She was like, I just want diamonds. Yeah, yeah, I was cutting straight lines in the hem. And she's like, no, I don't want Jersey. I want diamond shapes. I actually think, and I know you don't have a lot of spare time, but there's huge potential for an Emerald and Sophie uh, sort of food, TV, internet sensation. Sometimes I think about, um, I think it would be entertaining to do, to only talk about things that we disagree on. Because there there are a lot of things we agree on, right? And that's because you just become similar to your family in some ways. But Emerald and I are sort of diametrically opposed on some quite key stuff. And that's what I I find quite funny. Well, she's an extreme left-wing Green Party voter. But at the same time, there's just a sprinkling of act in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> she says stuff like, I don't want to be forced to speak Tadeo when I don't know what it means in English. Oh I want the translation next to it in English. I'm like, okay, right, Boomer, just, just relax. We'll get you a translation. So she wrote to the editor of the Kyoto magazine to thank her for every time she did a word in Tadeo, it says the translation in English afterwards. I, I do understand as you get older and things move, start to feel like they move really fast, that you're um, being abandoned a little bit. But Yeah. Well, I think I don't know. another example of that is um, the other day she asked me a question on in a text message and I replied in a text message and she didn't read it and then she told me that it was my fault <laughs> because if I want to make sure she's heard me, I need to ring her. And I was like, well, sorry, for, I was just replying in the forum that you started this convo in. And she goes, do you know what this reminds me of? That fuck up with your wedding. <laughs> Which was the wedding venue. Sophie fucked up her wedding and booked the venue for the wrong weekend. Oh, my God. But how is me replying to her in a text message anything like that? Look, I just want to defend Emerald because she wished me a happy birthday yesterday. Oh, my God, and I didn't. And Sophie didn't. Oh, so. my God. Do you clash with her on food? No, not really. Oh, she, we eat differently. Emerald's, um, she's differently in... I, I try to freak her out by saying she's in danger of um, geriatric malnutrition <laughs> because she naturally just lurches towards carbohydrate, fat, sugar, and Delicious. things that are rich. So Emerald doesn't think food being rich is a negative thing in any way, whereas I need like a certain amount of acid to balance out a lot of fat. So we eat differently, but no, we don't clash. I think we got the, the passion for food from her probably. So this year has obviously been very fucked up and weird. Um, And the hospitality sector was in many ways at the pointiest end of the effects of um, COVID-19. It was one of the hardest to continue operating under different levels of lockdown. Um, It is one of the most sort of easily avoided when, when... when you're wanting to socially distance and it got put under a lot of pressure. What do you think the industry is feeling like now, Sophie, I'm asking you because you're closest to it. Does it feel like, you know, we've survived and we've learnt something or is there still a sense of dread as the uncertainty continues? Because, you know, we, we never know how far away we are from another outbreak. Mm. Um, I think both of those things are right. I think it depends on the individual as well. Like, I find myself quite optimistic um, to a fault at times. Like, I was genuinely shocked when the second lockdown came. And everyone's like, 
that was always going to happen, mate. So, um, yes, I think it differs from individual to individual, but um, I think that had the wage, sub- wage subsidy not been in place for hospitality, then most of us would have died. Um, and I think that the ongoing, lingering, massive problem that we have on our hands now is staff, because the migrants are not coming in and the visas are finishing up and yeah there's definitely a strong sense of panic because the show must go on and if the punters um the people don't show up to feed the punters then you know it's the owners and the leaders that have to jump in and then we've got um a bunch of people now that are already mentally exhausted from managing the mental health of their teams throughout this year and now they're getting physically exhausted too because they're having to cover shifts and cover shifts and cover shifts so I think not out of the woods is how I would answer that question but I feel equally really proud. So migrants filled lots of roles in both front and back of house sort of across the spectrum of um, hospitality sector right? Yeah disproportionately so there are more migrants in hospitality than um, there are in the population of New Zealand, representatively. Do you think it, you know how all the predictions were for mass closures? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's been better than predicted or is it just that I'm not seeing all the places that are closing because maybe the places I go to are the most popular that are doing okay? Yeah, um, I think that's a good question. Uh, I'm expecting there to be more closures because I think a lot of people are really just hanging on now. And the problem that I just spoke about with staff is that gets people really close to teetering towards the edge where they just go, do you know what, it's too hard, I'm out. So I think that could come. Um, But I think your other point is true, that the strong are more likely to survive. And so the weaker operators or businesses, the less popular ones, the ones that were already really struggling, um, will fall out the bottom and already have. Yeah. And I guess we have um, not seen the end of their economic effects as well. So once... um, Sales are affected. Yeah, that's when um, it'll be that final sort of nail in the coffin for those who have just managed to hold on, which which hopefully doesn't happen, but it, it feels sort of a little bit inevitable at this point as as again that's the sector remains right at the mm. the peak of all the consequences of um of what's happening. Yeah, I think the high end places have had a really difficult time as well because um a people are feeling a pinch. B big events, large dinners, large functions have been called off and that's um, a a pretty significant part of their revenue but also um, yeah I think people start to trade down a bit in this kind of environment Um, and so yeah it's it's affected everyone across the board Um, but I think that the the larger guys that are set up with more costs to cover and bigger wage bills and all that jazz um, have potentially been the worst affected. But it's been really interesting at the same time to see a lot of uh, innovation and bravery and new openings as well. I think what's buzzed me out about the end of the year, especially in Auckland, is lots of cool stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, Um, totally. I think it's um, 
and I was thinking about that the other day. How are these punters suddenly in a position to do this? The banks are not lending money um, to business that readily, and particularly not to hospitality business. Like they won't even lend against my income because it's in hospitality. Um, so it's availability of funds was kind of the thing that I was buzzing out about this week. But I think that they're projects that have been delayed since March and they're just getting open before the year finishes. Yeah, but I saw that there's a hip group have just opened a new one in Britomart this week. Then Have they? Yeah. It's called Ada as well. What? What? Yeah, which is um, Hayden Fisky's new one in the convent. Yeah. Then there's... Um, Three new restaurants on K Road in the last this couple of weeks. It's crazy. There's so many yeah. new places. And I actually met up with a young um, dude, Carlos, who is currently the manager of Jamezi Street. And he um, started off as a chef at Burger Burger. Um, not started off, but that's where I met him. Um, and he's opening a Filipino restaurant and wine bar vibe to add to the K Road neighborhood too in the new cool. year. Yeah, wow. it's cool. But yeah, it is a lot. It's kind of scary mm. imagining how they will all survive. Why is it called Ada? Yeah, so I looked at their Instagram last night. The definition is, um, they've got a dictionary definition of the word Ada. And I think that the convent one is someone's grandmother's name, right? I think it still so. Makes Aiden's it hard grandmother, to, maybe? It still makes it hard to... Um, differentiate. You don't want to end up in town when you're meant to be in Ponsonby. Yeah. It always crapped me up when um, The Grove opened in Sylvia Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did it? Yeah, but it's like, a, it's, it's like a... Um, the Grove is a collection of high-end food court-style uh, mall restaurants, whereas The Grove obviously is its own restaurant also in... Yeah, 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 true. I'll find I'll find the hip group one. More on that shortly, listeners. So we'll run through some of the highlights and lowlights that um, we've experienced while eating and drinking things this year. The first is the absolute greatest thing that you ate uh, during 2020. Alice? Yeah, I um, had a panic because I couldn't think of anything, but I've got a few options. One of them is a drink. It was my first flat white after lockdown from a cafe. I was genuinely concerned about your mental yeah, health. Yeah, I really based did affect on your inability to get a flat white. It did affect my mental well-being. Wow, then, I think that that's like a really reasonable diary of a city gal, right? Yeah, that's, that's not even diary like of a, a city gal. I'm going to start that. It's going to be my new blog. That's not even like a an idiotic or super privileged thing to do. It's a ritual that's important yeah. to you. I remember you talking about Because some it people were like, found it so weird, including some people in this office. Like, why? Just like, it's just coffee. I'm like, you don't understand. I told you that I bought the yeah, yeah. You understand. Barista a lot of people Express understand. Just yeah. before lockdown. Yeah. And I felt like a proper fuckwit standing in line at Harvey Norman at five to five the day before the country goes into Did you get a lockdown. main discount? No, I did not. Oh, I, I used um, my points, yeah. Nice. But anyway, it was 50% off. I got it for $600. It felt like a really um, privileged and embarrassing panic buy, but got it became done. the MVP of lockdown. See, what I think the Breville neglects about Alice's flat white, though, as well, is the human interaction. Yeah, it's definitely that, that as well. Um, I came to realise eating and drinking is so, such a big part of, is even if you're just talking to the barista or the waitress, um, 
it's if you're leaving the house you're experiencing humanity and that's um what we lost in yeah. such a big way and and I think that I realized how important bars restaurants and cafes are to my um sanity because yeah. of lockdown a couple of other highlights I was thinking about Hyderabad Hotel remember which sit now seems like 10 years ago but that was the beginning of this year oh that was so and yum. just like that those heady days before we knew what was coming and those that delicious food. That was you know, those so like sloppy delicious. joes. That, I can't remember what the actual Indian name is. It was so hot, and I remember that Odette was only about three months old, and it was like, wasn't she with me? And it was like we were drinking pastis with ice cubes in it. And I, I, like, don't I don't think she, think she was, she was in there. that boiling hot. She wasn't in the office. car. Was she? she was <laughs> <laughs> I think what uh, had actually happened was that I had escaped her, and we got quite. Um, delayed and I was like getting a bit nervy because I needed to feed her and then I was like you know what I'm just going to drink the pasties and not worry about it yeah fair enough and she's still alive she was probably yeah grizzling at home to someone else not my problem and the other thing that jumped out into my brain was the Brussels sprout shish kebab from Bar Mason in Wellington which uh, was like after the second lockdown the Auckland lockdown then I escaped down to Wellington only just as well was only just yeah it was quiet like I was kind of like, um, and that was just real yum. It was made with chicken fat, but I pretended I didn't know that. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. You're just so, yeah. talking about how you accidentally ate pork mints. Yeah, that was a few years ago. You know, it happens. Why is it that I take some pleasure in Alice accidentally eating pork mints? It's pretty mints? funny. It feels mean. Nah, look. I don't know. It's like when Joe Swinburne combed out and we covered his face in bacon. <laughs> this, is, this is our uh, favourite vegetarian. Oh, you guys are so mean. It's kind of like there's something about the fact that you said it was delicious that makes me feel validated that I'm right for not being a vegetarian, yeah. which maybe comes from like a guilt of yeah. thinking I probably should be or something. But you're also wrong when Odette's grandchildren don't have a planet to live on. Yeah, yeah. all right, Simon. <laughs> so my, f- again, this uh, gravitates back to the children. I'm sorry about how much we talk about the children, but I'm not sorry at all. Um the wood-fired bread from Lillian, the way it puffs oh, up yeah, in there and it's so, so tender and delicious. And that was the first night uh, Millie and I left them with someone else and went out together and that was um, delicious and wonderful. Mm. The Saffron Negroni at Gamezi Street is also just insanely delicious. And Are we allowed to include drinks? I like I've had that. Well, well you know, flat white, I just white. say... Okay, all right, fine. Well, my third thing um, that I included as well is also a drink. It's breast milk. Uh, It's delicious. It is so good and it's so good for you. you, Why would you be drinking it, though? It's for your children. I drank your breast milk, Sophie, remember? But that was just for a lol. See, that again seems like years ago. No, but so because the boys were bottle fed, they'd often um, leave a little bit. And so I'd hate to waste all Millie's hard work pumping. Oh, okay. So I just drink it, and I just I felt like Popeye having a can of spinach. You know, my <laughs> biceps were just popping out of my shirt. Did I tell you about David's um, one night, but pretty heavy sojourn into drinking breast milk? Oh yes, because you had to drain because you were so cooked. Yeah, well, we were at a friend's wedding in Hawke's Bay, and we were staying with my aunt and uncle, and that's like the worst thing about breastfeeding is getting home at like two a.m. and having to pump and then dump. Anyway, so I had done that, and I, I we're talking like a full feed, like there was 250 mils, and I just left it in the bottle, um, thinking I'll tip it out in the morning, because I'd done that in the bedroom when we were like in someone else's house, trying not to be noisy. 
And David got up to go to the loo, and I said, oh, could you just take that with you and tip it down the sink? And he came back with the empty bottle and this look on his face, and I was like, what have you done? And I thought he'd spilt the breast milk. And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, I, I drank it. Oh I'm like, God. sorry, excuse me, did you drink all of that? And he goes, I necked the whole thing. I didn't want to waste it. <laughs> and knowing how lit you were that night as well, it would have been like having a white Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been like a top, a top up. Eggnog. Mm. <laughs> Amazing, really. Tina's looks like she's about to vomit over in the corner Sorry, there. Sorry, Tina. No, but it's so good for you and it's so yum. Mm. Um, okay, my favourite things that I've eaten this um, year. I um, am not short on delicious things that I eat, so this is actually quite hard. I thought that one of the things um, that I discovered in lockdown that I really loved was, um, and an interesting lesson in cooking as well, was that Al Brown gingerbread loaf. That shit went off. The reason reason for it was that the first time I made it, I used my electric scales and I weighed everything to the gram. And it was like dark brown and caramelized and yeah. sticky and really like moist and bouncy all the way through. Ooh. Like you just put a little bit of butter on it and it was heaven. Second time, my electronic scales had lost their battery and I used cup measurements and it was just like any old ginger cake. Mm. So I Precision thought that was really interesting. But God, it was baking. good. Yeah. Um, I also would like to shout out... Um, Restaurants that let you take away when they don't normally do takeaways because um, you've got a baby and you're at home. So for Odette's first birthday, about a week ago, we got Ponsonby Road Bistro Takeaways, which is like long-standing family favourite restaurant and um, had all the things that we love from them. So their scotch fillet and chips and the chicken liver pate and loved every second of it. Um, a, a, a shout out to the tour to a pizza at Lillian. I thought that was really epic. Um, and I think that one thing I noticed the most in lockdown was being away from the variety of Asian food that we eat. I took heaps of different pantry ingredients with me, but I made um, from Joshi Mitt's book the recipe. I made the laksa in lockdown, and it was the first Malaysian food that we'd eaten. I made that and rendang and a couple of things all at once, but it was just absolutely delicious. So just shout out to our normal abundance of Asian food. Yep. What was the worst thing you ate? Um, the thing that jumped into my mind was the time that I dropped. It was during like the most intense part of lockdown. I was working like a mofo. So, you know, it was a, Stanley was being a nightmare. It's my dog. Um, and I like had a piece of toast and it fell into a, the sink, like dirty dishwash water that was kind of lukewarm. Ugh. And I just picked it out and was like, I'm just going to eat it. Because I think it was like my last bit of sourdough. Oh, yeah. And you know, it wasn't just easy to pop down to the shops. No, you've got another 48 hours but it wasn't like before the next loaf's ready. Yeah, it wasn't exactly. just like a little puddle in the sink. It was a no, f- it was a full sink and it, and it was fully sodden. And I was like, I'm just going to eat this. And then I tried to eat it and it was real gross. So, yeah, that was yeah, mine. Yeah, that is gross. Mm. Um, mine was quite easy. Um, David... My husband, as you probably figured out, hates wasting anything to do with food. So he was in charge of making a batch of baby food. And he got a... um, I did this shoot where I had to make a bunch of different seed butters because for daycares, you can't do anything to do with peanuts or peanut butter. So I made like a sunflower seed butter and everything butter. 
a pumpkin seed butter. Anyway, David used basically a whole jar of sunflower seed butter and put it into the baby's food and like froze down the cubes and everything. And then when it came to her eating them, the look on her face was just absolutely hilarious because Are you fucking kidding me. He's quite Dad? yeah, he's quite sensitive and she just looked at him like with the filthiest face ever and I was like I think she's spoken. Did you try it? <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, because <laughs> mine, mine is also uh, food I made the children, which oh, I, yeah. I made them pea porridge. Hmm. I and almost put Odette's pea mixture in her porridge this morning. Not a good shot. Oh, it just didn't. It just doesn't work. It, hmm. um, they don't. They bring out the worst in each other rather than the best. So yeah. is it like oats and peas? Yeah. So I made. Pe- I boiled some peas and and is not too much water, and then just cooked oats and the, that oh, leftover yeah. water with them together, and sort of mashed it all up as I went. Peas porridge hot. And Peas I thought it was going to be fine, but it was actually quite yuck. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I can imagine that it'd be like milky and a bit mealy flavored. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, and because it's all unseasoned as well, it's um. I think we're in a pretty, um, well, I know we're in a pretty privileged position in that I don't eat food if I don't like it. I don't, like, I'd rather not eat than eat something that I don't enjoy. So that was actually quite hard for me to think of something disgusting that I've eaten. I also Mm. tried baby formula, and that's so gross. It's so weird how breast milk is so delicious and formula is so gross. What does it taste like? It's very sweet uh, and irony. You can really taste the way... Yeah, someone else said that to me. You can taste that it's nutritious. Like, you can taste all the um, synthetic goodness. I believe that. It smells gross. Mm. Moving on. No one wants to talk about disgusting food. Kia ora, lovely podcast listeners. Jane here with a friendly reminder that Christmas is right around the corner. And, you know, presents and all that. The good news is we've got all, or at least some of your gift giving needs covered at the spin-off shop. From tea towels to t-shirts, tote bags to Toby Morris prints or a copy of the spin-off book, our range of merch will look great under a tree or in a stocking or at a secret Santa exchange. In any kind of gift giving situation they'll look good is what I'm trying to get at but don't take my word for it, go and see for yourself head to members.thespinoff.co.nz forward slash shop and just try to resist, actually don't try to resist just buy some stuff today if possible thank you, bye Without foresight or vision, the people will be lost. Kia ora koutou, I'm Stacey Morrison. Join me for Conversations That Count, Ngā Kōrero Whaitake, a new series brought to you by Massey University and The Spin-Off. I'll be chatting to academics, activists and industry leaders to turn a unique lens on the issues impacting Aotearoa and Te Ao from structural equality to liberalising drug policy, implications for our mokupuna and more, we'll bring you thought-provoking kōrero about the things that count for all of us. New episodes will be available each month, so subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. What was your favourite, I hate the word trend, but... Um... Moment. Or like discovery through hospitality this year. Uh, oh, okay. Mine was, I've, I finally get natural wine. And that came from... I've, I've All natural wine or...? Well, no, I, I finally get the concept and, you know, I don't get all wine. But um, so I've 
taken on a side hustle and I'm the Auckland rep for Lighthouse Wine Company, which is my brother-in-law's wine. Um, and it's organically farmed and uh, natural wine. But he tries... Where is it made? It's made in Canterbury, yeah. uh, in Waipara and in the Banks Peninsula. Nice. Um, and he explained to me that he doesn't love the the term natural wine, but prefers to call it low intervention. Yeah. And it's about... His approach is about um, harking back to the days of yonder and the way that wine was made. Um, You know, the way (laughs) wine was made 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and letting the grapes do their thing. And it's not – it's very accessible and delicious, but at the same time it's quite fruity and juicy and pungent. And, you know, we're drinking his Sauvignon Blanc right now, and it's just a little cloudy, quite golden. But this is the – Best save I've had. Yeah, I think, yeah. Ever. So, and it's a very I prefer that to the the more intervention same. variety. And it's very approachable for a natural wine because some of it's real funky, but yeah. like this is a little bit funky. Not that doesn't have that cat's piss um, save vibe. I mean, the fact it's ten thirty a.m. and I'm hungover and I'm enjoying a glass of save <laughs> says <laughs> is it, it, shows it's pretty a good wine. Yeah, so I love thank you. I love uh, this whole journey for you, Alice. Yeah, thank you. So family bias, but big. Big shout out to Lighthouse. Go buy it. It's it's very exciting to see the Banks Peninsula represented on the New Zealand wine map a little bit more. Yeah, I didn't even know they could they made wine there. I know about Waipara, of course. But so it starts in Taitapu, is just as you head out of Christchurch, yeah. and then we've got grapes from the Kaituna Valley. Yeah, and then they've just leased uh, vines on. In Akaroa itself, right cool. behind my wife's house, you can hear her dad on the tractor out working the land Ooh, while you this, sit on the deck. Um, this is a stupid question, but Banks Peninsula, what direction on a compass from Christchurch? East. East. Yeah, there's not. It's like the knobby bit out north there. East it's Yeah, because a lot of the beautiful winemaking is North Canterbury, yep. isn't it? So it's not. All together. You get a lot of the. Um, so the the Banks Peninsula is actually a volcano. Or former volcano, and oh, you right. get a lot of those volcanic vibes. You get the sea, you get the seal through the wine. It's it's delicious. I did quite a lot of work with Ballantines this year, which is quite a. Um, I was going to say well known, but I'm going full blown famous yeah. in Canterbury. The Smith and Coies of Christchurch. Yeah, but the Cacodian stains of Christchurch. It's it's like, but it's it's so much more than that. Like people apparently get buried with their Ballantines shopping bags, oh and like wow. I will be walking around Ballantines when I'm there for work, and I'll see the only people I know from Canterbury in there. Like they go there all the time, multiple times a week. Anyway, very famous store. They've done a, uh, a bistro. They have a famous tea rooms downstairs as well. But we put a wine list in there this year that was exclusively North Canterbury, and it wasn't missing a thing. They are so spoilt down there, that whole region. Mm. It's really cool. It's kind of like the, the unsung wine region. Let's, let's call that your food trend so we can keep moving. Love North Canterbury. Uh... No, you just changed the trend to discovery because my best food trend was that we're having a pasta moment and I feel like I've been born for this and every new restaurant that opens in Auckland is doing fresh pasta. Shit, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm you're allowed to talk about that because as you know I love pasta just as much as you and it is very exciting. Just the Italian moment as well. Oh. The freshness and rawness and it's, it's... I feel like for years you had to go to a specific restaurant to eat a plate of pasta and now it's on... And it was always kind of shit. Yeah, but even like the um, 
bistro type places didn't touch pasta. It was like a specialty thing. I remember Coco's Cantina was one of the first places that included it with the the rest of their menu. You know, you used to have to go to like Delicious or go yeah. to Prego or whatever the, the specialty or like Portofino. Do you remember when that <laughs> yeah, was like? Yeah. yeah. Do you think we're moving away from the low carb bullshit? Yeah, yeah. So maybe there was a little while, like ten years ago, where no everyone was like, "Oh no, carbs are banned." So there was no pasta, and now it's. Think I mean, obviously now, we like, all knew that carbs. Think were about wonderful. the success of Cotto, Amano, yeah. Andiamo, Pasta Core. Yeah, has um, anyone been to Peachy yet? Ada, That's another one I need to I go to. I haven't been to Peachy no, yet, so but I'd love to. Andiamo, there's Does just. Does David so ever try and make you go to places like Gina's? Is that still there? I've love been it. there, but no, no, not for a while. The pasta in our household is having a. Difficult moment as I commit oh, to gluten-free yeah. for six That's going to be a tough time for you. There is good gluten-free pasta in the supermarket. Trina yeah. Trina will tell you all about it. Ask Trina. She told me. You're up, Alice. Um, what is this trend? Trends. I struggle Vibes. to think of anything. Is sandwiches a trend? Yeah, I, I mean, reckon I'm sandwiches, sandwiches is definitely Love sandwiches. That's David's favourite That's my, um, loving the sandwich. Yeah. We just did a whole episode about sandwiches. You guys should listen to it. I when, thought it was really I know. Good. I still haven't listened to it because I'm just, I'm worried it'll be better than when we're involved and I'll be I, sad. I saw someone eat a mortadella and romesco sandwich last week, which I thought would we actually did, be quite a vibe. just watch them? I had a dream about no, a I didn't watch them either. eat it. I saw it on Delaney Mez's Friday food wrap-up Instagram story and I was like, that like, on one hand, I wanted to laugh at how trendy in Melbourne that is. But on the other, I was like, I think I'm going to make a mortadella and romesco sandwich yeah. this summer. What's next? What's Worst next? food trend, Simon. Oh, I'm just sick trend. and tired of not being able to hear people when I go to a restaurant. Maybe you're just getting Maybe older. Maybe you should preface no, that not. It's with like... the fact that A, your hearing's not perfect. B, your father isn't an acoustic engineer. It's the, See, it, it requires, you're old. It requires you're old fuck, no bro. preface. Like there is the last thing people think about at restaurant fit outs is acoustics. Yeah. And I understand that. It doesn't have to be. You can do it quite well for not that much money. But what's the point in going out to dinner if you have to yell at each other? Well, this is something that you and Emerald Gilmore could yarn about until the cows come home because <laughs> she has really brought the start age of that being a problem back each year. She used to say, anyone over 60, and now she says, anyone over 45, <laughs> over and Simon's just brought it back to 35. Yeah. But like 18-year-olds would struggle to uh, understand what people are talking about in Azabu, like the, the yeah. noise. I agree. I ha- um, Emerald says it's yeah. a deal breaker for her. She won't go to Azabu. Clay, I don't know if Zabu's upset about that. Is Clay any better now that they got... I know when I first went to Clay and I sat and they had that massive table. I loved it, but sat across from my friends. Sat next to one friend and across from another. And our friend who was across the table just had to like make friends with the people next to her because there was no way we could have a conversation. That was kind of the table's fault as well. Yeah, I think that was to do with the table being very large. And I believe they've shaved off the sides of it now. So I should go back. Just while we're quickly on this note, Tina and I would like to point out that we haven't had a dietary requirements Christmas party this year. So I would like to propose that in the new year, we go on a bar crawl that includes Hotel Ponsonby, Peaches, Candela, Peachy, Peachy, Candela, and what's the other one we haven't been to? Um, East Street. And this new, um, I've been to East Street. Oh yeah, I haven't. I've been way <laughs> too party to eat. So I think it would be good to go back and eat all their delicious Tel Aviv food. 
Keen. Anyway, okay. let's actually lock that in because... Yeah. I look forward to Tina recording that. I normally have um, my finger on the pulse quite a lot more. I think that having a baby is quite a handbrake, but yeah. I'm ashamed like to say there's about four places that now. You're still pretty good at, like, you know, you, yeah, get, get, you get, get around. You get amongst it. I'm not afraid of a babysitter, but... No. Um, yeah, they're not always available. Um, we can record that for the Dietary Requirements Instagram, just live stream the whole thing. Oh, there we go. We'll do an Instagram episode. Instagram a takeover. <laughs> By our, yeah. Okay, um, my worst food trend is, this is actually probably going to be unpopular, but I think when chefs get to the top of their game, they get really obsessed with not cooking anything. And I don't like it when you go out for dinner and there's like so much raw protein that you just wish something was cooked (laughs) and that's happened to me a couple of times in the last few years and I'm hoping that it's coming to an end soon. Use your skills. Yeah but I think they're just like so in love with the produce that they don't want to. We had the raw beef, well I didn't eat it but my friends had the raw beef and whipped marrow at Hotel Ponsonby yesterday which Mm. apparently was very nice. Mm, I mean, are you are, are you showing off when absolutely nothing's yeah, yeah. cooked? People still like you've got call me old fashioned. But I like stove. some proteins to be cooked. That's fair what enough. Say. Alice, uh, seltzers. That's my worst food trend. Fucking hate seltzers. Oh, Stop sending my me God. seltzers. No, keep sending good. me seltzers because we're going to do a tasting one day. But there's so many I can't even deal. Like, and I'm like, I just like drinking beer yeah. and wine. But but are the, there people are beer love it, seltzers. I know. But then there are fake ones. Which are so, like, not beer at all. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I think that's really challenging, isn't it? I don't. I accept that they're a thing, but... But, like, Pals is in a seltzer, and Pals yeah. is delicious. No, see, I'm just, like, I don't... I'm just a traditionalist. I like a, a lovely beer. Or, like, I a gin and tonic, a cocktail. Pals. I love... I get that Pals is a thing, and people are obsessed with it, but... Uh. Do you know what I love is the... Um, and I, I must disclose that I'm related to one of the... Bloom, two of the Bloom team members. Oh, but yeah, I'm obsessed with Batchwell Bloom. I'm obsessed with the cucumber one. Oh my god. The gin god. lemon cucumber. I actually drink it like as though it's normal kombucha and then you just get this nice little, oh. ooh, little buzz. bit of gin in that. See but that's my problem as well. I like I'll <laughs> smash one in one sip when I get back from a run. Yeah. And that's like, That is a problem with seltzers though. They don't taste like alcohol. So we it's like, really need No wonder the youngins like We need them. you all to go and buy a six pack of Bloom and then just get back to dietary requirements on how yeah. Fucking delicious it is. There it's like, it tastes like a proper cocktail. There's two vodka ones and a gin one, but the gin's my favourite. It's so good. Hey, I just remembered we had two books to give away last podcast. Did you do it on the last podcast? No, we didn't. Though? Should we do Guys, it Guys, give away the books. Why did Alice knew the details yeah, and then no, she no, pulled out at last I remembered, I forgot. While so, we talk about our best food discovery, we would like someone to write in what their best food discovery is to win a book. You got to send a photo. You got to send well. a photo of. Well, let's have, make it a drink. Oh, yeah, because it's a wine it's book. It's a wine book. I'm just going to. Uh, I've just remembered. I'm very. Well, Alice fishes out the yeah. details. I'm going to tell you about my best food discovery of it. 2020. And it was the um, Rani Tiki uh, Karagi chicken bites that you just buy frozen and cook in the oven. And they are like 10 out of 10 authentic gourmet level shit. (laughs) (laughs) And they are the fastest way to... um, Pre-fried frozen karage chicken bites in the oven They are 10 out of 10. I meant to to bring some in because they like blew my mind. Were you stoned? No, I have them like twice a week. (laughs) Oh. So they sometimes are so stoned, good. So sometimes I make, not stoned. I, I'm, it's, I, I can't smoke that much weed at the moment. 
Wow, uh, Simon, that's a huge recommendation. I really hope that the listeners are grateful for that. They they should be because it'll um, it'll change your last minute meals in a big way. So what I do, I make like a little Japanese slaw, some brown rice. Uh, then the chicken bites, and then do the, then do the ex- <laughs> exactly, then do the lines of QP, uh, QP, and it's like sesame seeds. Of course, sesame seeds. Sesame seeds, are anything. Just oh, yeah. spoon well, a few in Now my phone's died. And it is so. That's so good. I was at. Um, uh, we had a close family friend pass away recently, and I was at uh, his funeral, which was huge. And he was a really huge philanthropist and also supporter of his favourite hospitality venues. So at his funeral, there were quite a few of the old hospo OGs that got together. And my sister completely blew my cover. One of the wait staff came up with a plate of food and she goes, is that gluten-free? My sister's gluten-free. <laughs> and I'm standing with Natalia and Carl from the engine room, Shame. with Sabi from All Press, who I used to work with at Rocco. I was like, wasn't going to bring it up, haven't eaten a morsel. So one of the things, Simon, that was gluten-free was the karage chicken. Yum. Yeah, maybe Yum. I'll buy your bites and let you know if I think they're 10 out of 10 gourmet <laughs> shit. They are. Okay, do you want to know about this book? Please tell us about the book. So you can win. We have two copies to give away, thanks to Jules Van Costello, who is the author of Beyond the Vines, The Changing Landscape of Wine in Aotearoa. Woo! Because it's, it's actually, what's really exciting, it isn't your average wine book. No. Well, he's it's, into his natural wine. He's the director of Cult Wine, which... It oh, yeah. sells wonderful natural wine, and he is also... Oh, that's a Wellington situation, I Yeah, know. a director of Teodor Wine, which makes natural wine, and he's partner in Hillside Kitchen Daisy, the ramen shop in Bowl with um, Asher Boot. He's also a beer guy. He's written two books about beer, so this is his first wine book. Who's the author? Jules Van Costello. Oh, it's actually him, yeah. Yeah. I um, had a very funny situation with Colt Wine. Did you? You can yeah. tell us that on another note. So, to win this book... What should people do? Send us a picture of like what they're drinking. A summer, a summer wine. Send summer a picture wine? of a summer yeah, wine. Summer drink. There we summer go. We'll share it on tipple. Instagram and whoever's in the most Ideally like sitting glorious. Ideally, sitting next to a bowl yeah. a ticky karage chicken a bite. A photo of you uh, and uh, a... no. There we go. Automatic winner. If you send in a glass of a photo of a glass of wine and a bowl of ranga ticky chick- yep. chicken bites. Otherwise, run around. Just a to picture the... of like a real sweet summer situation, and you're having a lovely summer. Beverage. Yeah, I think that's probably we'll the winners. Or, or if you do the gochujang, if you watch the oh, yeah, ham video and oh, yeah, Korean yeah. up your give you a lot of options. Freedom Farm yeah. ham. Anyway, email Alice Neville at thespinoff.co.nz. We'll put the details in the post of this podcast. Subject line should be Beyond the Vines. Nice. Um, okay, my best food discovery this year um, is an ingredient, and it's pink peppercorns. Ooh, nice. I, I like them in salads. Yeah. I like them with pate. I like them all the time. Like, like with a goat big hole in ones. a boat? Yeah, no, I, cr- I crush them. So it's quite chunky. Yeah, yeah, totally. Rather they, than ground. With Italian food, like really, really delicious tasting addition to a nice. green salad. Well, I'm going to do that. This, this Christmas. I'm going to do that on Friday. It's really nice. I make this. I did this Jamie Oliver. I've got his Jamie's Italian book. And this year I went through a phase of cooking all the things out of it. Maybe this is how I got the gluten intolerance, guys. And um, it was, there's a cos salad that's got prosciutto and stone fruit. So like I was using white peaches. 
and you just make a dressing with pink peppercorns and vinegar and olive oil and put it all over it and it's like the peppercorns and the stone fruit make a party in your mouth. Do you think that can happen that you eat so much gluten you develop an intolerance? Because when I was young, I ate so much cashew nuts, so many cashew nuts that I became allergic. Yeah. And then it went away. You'd think I'd be a good test case, right, on the pasta Yeah, but like... Why did it happen now? Maybe pregnancy. No, no. I think I think it's a um, maybe just discovering it now thing. All right. Who knows? It's very boring. Okay, my I've got a discovery. My discovery this year: Piquet. It's another drink. It's a. Uh, it's t- technically not wine. It's made from adding water to the. Alice no, is just reading. It's just reading it. Tepa, tepa, tepa. To the gra- great pomace, which is the leftover skins. Mm. Oh, and it's buzzy. almost like a seltzer, but cooler. That is so Because trendy. it's like traditional. It's like giving me pain. I know. It's so it's just fucking the zeitgeist. Maybe. But is it, yeah. is, it, is it sparkling? Yeah, it's sparkling and it's relatively low. Oh. Does it come in a can? So Bon Appetit says Piquet is white claw for wine lovers. Ooh. Uh, Will you take that to Christmas sparkling. with your family? Will that go down well, or are they more traditional? The, oh, they'd probably give it a hoon. They'd drink anything, my family. Yeah. So Garage Project does one that's in a bottle. They're called their Little Crush range, I think. And then I think Kindeli does one that Colt Wine sells. So, yeah, Piquet, that's that's it. That's my family's it. got a winemaker in it, it was good. and also a um, new age Natty's only drinker in it, so it's actually it's quite be good chat because Liam has been for the last three years. Peter's bringing, son, no a nephew, but he's been bringing natural wine only to Christmas for like the last three or four years, and Peter's slowly warming to it. But it's yeah, on so the whole, we drink anything. Pe- Peter Peter Cowley, yeah, the winemaker at uh, Tomato Estate, recently retired, yeah. but he was there for twenty five years. Oh, we should get Peter on. Let's get Peter on the show. He's a bloody hoot. He's. I've, I've had a guided tour of Tamata from Peter. Oh, you have? And it was uh, fantastic. And Eden. Okay, best hospitality discovery of 2020. I was recently in Dunedin and um, the city hasn't changed, but it's evolved. So I was there for four years uh, as a Scarfie and then a bonus six months to go back and just do a little bit of extra study for fun. Um, but it's 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 really uh, underrated city. It's oh sophisticated and delicious. Josh Redford has been waxing lyrical about how much he's fallen in love with Dunedin. So, so I feel like alone. Side On Cafe to me captured everything about that evolution of Dunedin. It's um, Side On. Side On. Why so, is it called that? I don't know. Why is anything called anything? Um, and. It does the most amazing baked goods. It's a, it's a, got a huge bakery out the back, but then the um, table service cafe menu as well is just sophisticated and smart and just really, really yum. So go to Dunedin. I, yes, I would urge like to you go to, to go to Dunedin and go then then go to Sidon Cafe. Okay. Got it's it. getting a lot of props at the moment, Dunedin. Yeah, it's, it's bloody on fire. Oh, I could move to Dunedin, I reckon. I could. Um, That's what everyone that goes to Dunedin says. It's obviously. It's also a million dollar lifestyle for half the price. Yeah, it's the new Timoro. It's Timoro. It's a in joke. Shout oh, okay. out James Gilbert. Okay, no, I don't know what you guys are talking Doesn't about. Doesn't matter. Alice, what's your best hospo discovery oh, of 2020? Oh, 
Well, I finally went to the hair and the turtle the other day, which everyone else had discovered a long time ago. I can't believe that took you so long, I and know. I'm so happy you loved it. I knew you would. Um, well, Bar Mason, again in Wellington, hell of, a, hell of a good time. My friend Kim had her 40th there the other day, and I couldn't go, so that was sad. Uh, and then, oh, there's a new pizzeria that's opened across the road from my house, which is very handy, called The Master and Margarita, and that is also a great discovery, because pizza across the road from my house. Excuse me, I from have real Italian. Can we officially add that to the yeah. pub? Yeah, you got to get takeaways though, so we'll have to go to pop into my house. Well, you will get, yeah. it's going to have there. to be quick toilet break. I love that. It's like house yep. four Tina's is Alice's house. That's yes. where we have full margaritas glued, and pizza. It's a full gluten uh, pub crawl. Oh yeah, it's going to be that. You got to be back in the game. It's got to be after the sixteenth of January. Yeah. Right. My best hospital discovery is a really nice cheesy one, guys, for the end of our discussion. I think that. It's been really amazing this year to discover how brave and resilient the people in hospitality in New Zealand are. I think they really rolled their sleeves up and did a lot of things that they're not used to doing when lockdown hit. A lot of them reinvented themselves as meal kit joints and um, a lot of them put together affordable packages and arranged deliveries and that involves a lot more now than it ever used to when you realise you've got to change your payment methods and your website and you've got to change all of the things to make it happen. So um, I think that for me it's wrapped up in Everybody Eats has had a really busy and significant year because the people that are vulnerable in our communities have had a worse time than we have, believe it or not, everyone. And but also food, food like supply has been really affected. Like, yeah, yeah, ooh. it's actually just been really challenging in lots of ways. And then one of the um, jobs that I have in November is to go around as a trustee for Dine Aid and ask restaurants whether they are willing to sign up to support uh, the city missions near them at Christmas. And not a single restaurant said no this year. Cool. So good. in December, every time someone's given $2 to their bill, it's gone to the city mission and... Yeah, I think that says a lot. After the shitter of a year they've had, we're probably going to raise $30,000. Well, I think that's a really beautiful place to finish, and I think I'd, I'd love to go out on a, a shout-out to Dine Can people go and just donate on the internet? They can. They can go to the Dine Should website. they? Yeah, we'd love that. I mean, the, the thing about Dine Aid is that um, if you give Dine Aid $1, I will turn it into $3. So oh, yeah. if you're planning on donating to the mission anyway and you wanted to sponsor Dine Aid, please just get in touch. Great. Well, thank you all for spending the year with us. It's been a crazy one. You know, I think back to our uh, episode with Al Keating and how, you know, just uncertain and crazy that felt. But we all survived. Uh, we kept on eating, we kept on drinking, probably a little bit too much of both, um, but it was fun and it was delicious and we look forward to bringing you all the good things through your ears uh, in the new year. So fuck off 2020 and yeah. <laughs> I look forward to 2021. Yeah, Thank you to Tina everyone. for wonderful podcast producing. Thank you to you too. Thanks to our listeners. Merry Thanks Kira to Hameti. you guys. It's, it's, Merry Christmas. And, and let us know you're listening. It's happening more and more and it makes me feel really Honestly, good. Honestly, I, I just uh, get a ch- so chuffed if I hear someone listens to I always presume pod. that no one listens Same. and then someone told me they missed me off an episode Aww. the other day. So thanks guys. Yeah. That, was, that was Sophie's mum. <laughs> As if she could work a podcast. Yes. Cheers. Bye.
Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.